Tonight on BHL Conversations, we have writer, actor, composer, Sean Keller from the hit stage musical, Slash. Stay tuned. You are tuned in to Black Hollywood Live Conversations. I mean, this was one of my favorite tracks when I saw the show last week. It's pretty snappy. Very much so. Welcome, everyone. Tonight, we have a special guest. My name is Sahai, and this is BHL Conversations. Find me on social media at Say Hi Sahai. That's S-A-Y-H-I-T-S-A-H-A-I on Instagram, Twitter, occasionally on Snapchat. Sean, where can they find you on social media? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at underscore Sean Keller. That's S-E-A-N-K-E-L-L-E-R. Don't forget the underscore. That's right. So welcome. This is your first time here at BHL. It is. Thank you. Thank you for being our guest. My pleasure. So we were introduced by our mutual friend, Rudy Scalisi. Oh, Rudy. He couldn't be here with us tonight, but Rudy was one of the producers on your project. Correct. And I worked with Rudy a couple of years ago, so that's how we got connected. So... Rudy told me about this play that he's been producing called Slashed. He told me it was, a, it was about horror and kind of like sl- old-time slasher films from the 80s. And I love musicals, so I was like, okay, I'm interested. Horror and slasher is not really my thing, but when I saw your show, I was like, I'm hooked. Thank you, thank you. It's, it's, a, it's a real pleasure to like put it all together. It's, it's two of the things I love uh, uh, mixed up in a, a way that probably shouldn't work, but somehow does. Uh, everyone seems to be enjoying it a great deal. I mean, it's sold out. They're currently playing in the Fringe Festival, the final show this Friday. Mm-hmm. And you every, almost every has almost every performance been sold out? Uh, we sold out every single show, added two shows, and sold those all out before we ever opened. I mean, so, yeah, that's there's, a, there's an appetite for it. Definitely, definitely. It reminded me a little bit of, like, Saved by the Bell with some gore and guts. It's, it's definitely... Um, on the goofy side. Uh, I mean, we like to think of it as sort of um, almost like if Jason had invaded Wet Hot American Summer. Okay. Um, just to go with that over-the-top, campy, throwback vibe. I mean, I'm, I'm a kid of the 80s, uh, not to ruin uh, how old I am. But, uh, but I, I grew up with all of this. And so and as a, a songwriter and an actor and all these other things, I've been accused quite often of, of sounding a little too uh, 80s. And so writing something <laughs> dated seems to have worked just right. You I know? think so. I mean, there are tons of shows where they reference 80s lingo and I think retro. Can you believe that the 80s is retro now and vintage? Like, <sighs> yes. I still can't wrap my head around that. Yeah. It's I'm a little retro. scary. <laughs> vintage, like fine wine. That's <laughs> there what you I go. Like well, I'll, like, I'll take that. Okay? I'll take that. Okay. That'll be. So tell me how you came up with the idea for this project, Slash. Well, uh, I had the idea a couple of years ago. I've, I've done a fair bit of musical theater. Um, I was... Roger in Rent back in the day and uh, played Buddy Holly on tour and and uh, the egomaniac in me loves to beat the lead um, but the practical actor in me uh, hates having to do 23 songs a show, 8 shows a week so I, I was trying to come up with a, a reason to be the lead in something that I would only have to sing one song a show and so I, was, I, I mixed that with my love of horror and I've been a horror screenwriter for a while so um I just thought, wouldn't it be hilarious if in the middle of, of some sort of slasher uh, freak out, the, the killer took off his mask and sang a, a mournful song about why, why do they make me kill him? Speaking and, of why, can we go to that track, Why, that Sean sings? We'll hear a little snippet of it. 
Yeah, the, the very John Carpenter synth intro. I like it. Oh, why must they make me kill them? Oh, <laughs> Because you didn't want to kill them. No, no, they make me. It's, right. it's, it's, I mean, if they wouldn't fuck and drink and, and do drugs, then I wouldn't have to do this. Exactly. Now, thank you so much. Now, you know... For those who haven't seen the show, tell them a little bit about what Slashed is about. Slashed is, uh, it's 1983 at Camp Freedom. Uh, the the sign, of course, has been defaced by the locals to read Camp Doom, uh, where little Petey Jurgens, 22 years ago, fell into a bonfire while the counselors weren't paying attention. They were off doing drugs and having sex and all the other things that get you in trouble in this kind of a, a slasher flick. And uh, so now a, a married couple trying to fix their marriage up, has bought the old camp, and is fixing it up as a metaphor for fixing up their marriage, and uh, and little Petey Jurgens is back. Now, I found it interesting that you decided to include a couple that was on the verge of divorce in, in this piece, because normally you see couples that are like in love, like in Rocky Horror, where mm-hmm. they, that couple was in love. So what, made, what was the choice for having a divorce couple? Well, I mean, they're... The slasher genre is nothing but cliches. Right. Every single thing about it is a cliche. And so the best way to get mileage, which is great for, for shorthand for telling a story. Everyone knows what they're getting. Right. But we wanted to subvert all of them. And so instead of having that couple, you know, who's everything's going great for them, we wanted to have them on the rocks. Because that's, like I said, that was a great metaphor for the song. Then, then I can deliver a song that's, we're going to, you know, the song is we're going to make it better than it was. And it's about making the camp better than it was and making their marriage better than it was. And, you know, it's a, a kind of a ham-fisted, simple metaphor. But it works because these cliches exist. Uh, it, we also did the same thing with all the rest of the characters. We have a jock, we have a slut, we have uh, a geek, but we did a sex flip on all of them. The, yeah. the jock is a woman. The, the slut is a guy with a drinking problem and low self-esteem. Uh, you know, it, it, our, our survivor girl is our virginal Christian boy. <laughs> um, so it, it, it's sort of a, a fun way to, to play with those things that everyone expects right. and just put a little little something on it. I mean, the cast was super talented and attractive. So yeah. I mean, I, I was like, oh, well... Hello there, bonjour. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm a relatively uh, tall dude, um, but we cast two guys in this show that tower over me and are just <laughs> yoked. They're so beefy and big, and I'm I'm supposed to be the slasher killer. And right. in every scene I'm with them, I'm like looking up to them, and it's kind of <laughs> kind of hilarious. It kind of makes me look like the, like a teenage Jason. It, it's kind of funny. It was definitely funny. Now, having worked as a screenwriter on larger productions. Mm-hmm. Can you speak to the difference uh, in working on something independent and that's your own and how that, like, is fulfilling? Well, I mean, yeah, uh, most of the films I've worked on were mostly indie kind of smallish stuff. But to them, you're always beholden. Um, Someone's cutting you a check and you've got to deliver and your job is to make them their money back. And so, and there's certain things you have to do for that. This was uh, an exploration of being totally non-cynical. We didn't have to make money. We, We crowdsourced it, which kind of bothers me a little to ask people to give me their money before they're paying for a ticket. But that allowed us to pay all of our actors to get all of our sets built and to deliver something that was just our vision. You know, it was the story I wanted to tell, the songs I wrote, uh, and the we put it together with our awesome director, Chelsea Stardust, who, who helped you know, sort of hone all of the, the rough edges off and make it a really smooth, slick production. 
uh, great cast, and we all get to do it just for the fun of it. And so every night we have a blast. I can tell that you guys are having fun. And so fun. what I loved about it is that although it was on a smaller stage, the production was very pro- professional. Everything was well done. The singing was amazing. And I mm-hmm. really, I was surprised because you never know what you're going to get. Oh, fr- Fringe <laughs> is a mixed bag. Exactly, exactly. And it was my first time. I've heard of the Fringe Festival before, and I'd never been to one of their performances. What made you want to go the Fringe route as opposed to others? Well, because there's no pressure. Um, theater is difficult. Uh, trying to secure a theater is difficult. Trying to convince people to come to your show is difficult. This is, L.A. is not a great theater town. Right. It's, you know, everyone else is in different businesses. And so Fringe is one of those times of the year where everyone's much more excited about going to the theater. Mm-hmm. I saw um, an excellent Fringe show last year called Thug Tunnel. Um, and uh, our, our friends in Robot Teammate, who have a show this year called Turbulence. Everyone should go see it. Nice. Um, I saw that and was blown away by it, but it was also lighter than air and fun, and walking out, I realized, oh, I could do this. I could do this on this scale, because they had really minimal sets. They had really... It was, it was just more of a theater of the mind and, and mm. letting the actors and the songs speak for themselves. I'm like, all right, it takes the pressure off, because I'd only done big theater. Right. Uh, and those things cost millions of dollars. Exactly. And And trying to, you know, roll a, a tour around is, is daunting. Yeah. And so uh, I, I never wanted to do that. That sounded like an impossible mountain to climb. This was very doable. And so I set the goal and, and, and tried to do it. And of course, halfway through said, no, I can't, I can't do this. I can't do this. And Chelsea was like, no, you're going to do this because I told people we're doing it. And so she cracked the whip on me and made me finish. Well, you succeeded. I mean... In doing this, you also acted in it. Mm-hmm. You wrote all the music. Correct. You wrote all the, the you wrote the book. Mm-hmm. So was that difficult to juggle all those roles? Oh God, yeah, yes, absolutely. Um, I, I was a songwriter first, um, and so the songwriting part I thought was going to be the easy part, mm-hmm. but. I wrote songs for me. I've never written songs for someone else's register. So mm-hmm. I had to write for women to sing. And so the whole time I'm like, oh shit, is this, is this in the right key? You know, right. And, and asking the, the women in my cast, like, can you even sing this? And they're like, mm, it's kind of, kind of low. <laughs> um, so uh, I learned quite a bit that way. Um, and, and as a screenwriter, you know, I, I, I know structure and I know story. And that part of it was the easy part, really, was writing the, what everyone was saying. Although I've never written comedy before. And this is an overt comedy. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, Silly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, to, to not put too fine a point on it. And so mixing that together and writing songs that had to have recurring motifs, uh, you know, which is what really makes a show a show, you know, is like that, that Les Miserables moment at the end where the, this one motif gets from one song gets layered on top of another on top right. of another. You know, we do that at the end in our Camp Doom reprise. And, and it's that was fun and really hard and really weird to do. And so it was kind of a, a blast to do. But. I think the hardest thing of it all was actually being a music director. Yeah, because you played all the instruments, correct? Yeah, so uh, I don't read and write music. I There's no charts to this show, so I'm like, how am I ever going to teach anyone how to sing this? Right. Um, and that became the thing that really was weighing on me to the point that almost kind of kept me from getting the show finished because it was just driving me crazy. I'm like, wow. I have no idea how I'm going to finish and how I'm going to get people to learn these songs. And so I recorded... Um, 
a full cast album myself and played all the instruments and sang all the parts uh, and all the female parts as well, which uh, it's kind of <laughs> embarrassing, awful sounding. But I did that to give the cast something to listen to right. uh, with lyric sheets and then brought them in one by one to replace my vocals with theirs. So we'd have a full cast album, which you can download on Bandcamp. Um, and it's great. Definitely take a listen. I loved it. And it will keep you moving. Like for songs that I'd never heard before, I was like, you never know how they're going to go. But mm-hmm. I was tapping my feet. There were other people in the audience jamming because it reminds you of your favorite, like, 80s pop songs like Debbie Gibson and you know so that's what I liked about it Um, one of the things that I really find with people who create their own material is that you kind of just dive right in what can you speak to about having that kind of independent spirit and pushing through when you have that fear in, in creating your own projects well fear definitely drives everything I do I mean in a positive way I, if something scares me I try to jump toward it instead mm. of away from it um, because that's where all the good stuff is um, I, I have never had like the fallback plan. I'm not the guy who got a college degree or anything like that. I'm like, I'm going to go be a rock star. Well, it didn't work out. I'm going to go be an actor. Well, that sort of worked out. Uh, I'm going to be a screenwriter. You know, like I, I will do the thing that scares me uh, as a way to sort of eliminate fear. And so I try to live as fearlessly as possible. And so diving into this was really the scariest thing I've done in a long time. And cause I've typically written with a, a writing partner. Mm. And so I did this without a partner. Um, I sort of made this my my most me thing I could make. And so when you do that, you sort of lay yourself bare and are open to all kinds of critique. And so you're, you're afraid of the knives coming out. Was it kind of like therapeutic for you to do this on your own and to kind of exercise all the hats that you've, you know, uh, created during your time in this business? You've, you've learned how to write. You've learned how to act. You've yeah. learned how to play an instrument. And you put them all into this one piece. But was it like, how did it make you feel knowing that you finally accomplished this? Oh, amazing. But I was... Never all alone. Uh, my girlfriend rode my ass to get this done. And she's our director. And she's amazing and super talented. Um, but she believed in me when I didn't believe in me. Aww. And that was essential. And, and without that, there wouldn't have been a show. Look at that. See, now I noticed you had a lot of strong women characters. And yeah. that, that spoke volumes to me. Especially, I love the athletic character. Oh, Joyce is a she oh, was she oh, was great. I love her. So to hear that you your girlfriend was really supportive, I think you know that's beautiful. Yeah, I mean she's the director. She's the, she's the one who's in charge. You know, when at the end of the day, so. I love it. I love it. See a couple that you know teamwork makes the dream work. That's right. We we work really well together. Nice. Um, even though. Uh, at times, it became a little testy, I'm and we sure. had to make rules like no talking about slashed in bed, you know, and things like that. <laughs> so uh, it, there were moments where we're like, "We're never doing this again." Right. Um, but now, of course, we're like, "Well, let's extend. Let's What's keep next? doing it." Um, so. Isn't it kind of like like a kind of like a drug? Like once you you start, you're like, "Okay, I can't do this anymore." But then mm-hmm. you, you get that hit, and something amazing happens, and you're like, "Okay, one more time." One more time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, I've been off the stage for about 15 years. Wow. It's been a while. You couldn't tell. I mean, your voice was great. Thank you. You weren't rusty at all, so you're doing a great job. Thank you. Thank you. Well, part of it's, yeah, I'm only singing one song a show. (laughs) (laughs) Makes life pretty easy. Um, But it's just, I kind of lost the thread. What what was your question? Well, I'll move on to something else. But what were some of the films that influenced this one? Like, were there horror films or slasher films that influenced you? Yeah. um, 
obviously the entire Friday the 13th franchise, uh, every one of those. The, the director of Friday the 13th came to see us Sunday night. Uh, no Sean Cunningham way. And, and came backstage to meet us all because he, he had such a great time and loved it. Um, that show, I mean, the creation of Jason Voorhees was a big thing in my life. Um, so, you know, all of every summer camp slasher movie, Sleepaway Camp, Cheerleader Camp, <laughs> you know, the, the, the Madman, we reference Madman Mars and all these things. Uh, there's a dozens and dozens of those references in it, but also just 80s films in general. I mean, we reference Footloose in it. We, we, we've got, uh, you know, Say Anything reference. Oh. We've, got, we've got jokes about and little references to tons of tons of uh, 80s and some 90s uh, movies. We've got Scream references in there. It, yeah. it's, it's just chock-a-block with little lines that if you know... They're great, and if you don't, the the cast delivers delivers it all with such a plum that it's it's fun. Regardless. I agree because for audiences who may think, oh, I, I'm not familiar with these '80s or '90s films, you know, I can't go see it. You'll still have a good time. The oh, yeah. music is amazing. The cast is fun, and it was a really feel good show. Now, you were saying that some people, it's currently running at 45 about 45 minutes right now. Maybe just a tick under, but yeah. So it sounds like the audience is is wanting more. They want more. Um, that has been our the constant refrain is we want it to be longer and and. I would personally always love to leave them wanting more. You know, I've right. played in bands and I would like to do, you know, hired for an hour set and I pay, play 20 minutes because then people come back to see you the next time. They don't, you know, um, <laughs> and so I love that. And I've got a very kind of punk rock attitude about that. I mean, none of the songs are longer than two minutes. Right. You know, they're super quick little bites. So I don't like to overstay my welcome. I've seen plenty of shows that I start snoozing through right. and it is the worst thing. The, the, the two things I hate most in a, in a musical theater piece is too long and no memorable tunes. Okay. And so I wanted to make sure this thing was filled with hooks, like just pop music hooks. Yeah. And and so that you'd walk out at least humming it. Even if you didn't love it, you'd, you wouldn't be able to stop singing it. And so that, that's the goal. And I'm glad that people actually really love it. So. Definitely. I kept on singing, Camp Dune. Yeah. I, I really like that song. You're how, all gonna die. That's right. <laughs> Now, tell us how you got started in this this industry. Um, I started off as a songwriter. I, when I was in high school, I used to tell my folks that I was going over to my friend's house and I would drive into Washington, D.C. And, and play guitar on street corners for money. Nice. And, uh, and between being in Georgetown and being in Old Town Alexandria, well, I got found by a dude one night walking by. I was like, did you write that song? And I'd written it about three days earlier. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like do you have any more? And I lied and said, yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, four days later, I was in a recording studio singing five songs that I, because I wrote four more that week real fast to have stuff to sing. And, uh, and I was off to the races. I was, uh, had a songwriting deal and a publishing deal. And <sighs> at 19, I was putting songs in movies and I thought I was going to be a rock star. And when that just sort of petered out, uh -huh. um, I decided to be an actor and started acting. And someone found me at a bar where I was working and asked me to audition for a show. And, the, the casting director from Rent was there, and I didn't get the show. Honestly, I, I get asked by a woman to come in and audition for a musical about a, a bartender named Sean who works at a comedy club. And I, she found me at my bar where I'm tending bars. I'm the bartender named Sean who wants to be a rocker. Right. I'm like, I think I got this. I think so. Nope, nope, didn't get it. Um, wow. But the, the casting director, Bernie Telsey from, uh, from Rent, was there, and he saw me and had me come up and audition numerous times for that show. And I, I was the first... Roger on tour. I was the first national tour of Rent uh, playing Roger, the, the sort of romantic lead, and wow. did that and played Buddy Holly on the Buddy Holly tour and 
then, you know, I got married, had kids, and realized being on tour sucks. And um, <laughs> I decided to stay home with the kids and teach myself to be a screenwriter. Now, speaking of the kids, you actually celebrated Father's Day yesterday. Yeah. And your kids went to the show. Yep. What do your kids think about it? Oh, my kids love it. Uh, my eldest son, Folsom, is 20. Uh, he was, uh, my wife is pregnant with my, my ex now, is pregnant with him uh, while we were doing rent. And so he was around for that part uh, in utero. Um, and he was the recording engineer for this show. Uh, he re recorded everything that I played. I played all the instruments, but he was my sound engineer and recorded it all. He's uh, the producer on it. He, he's a really awesomely talented musician himself and, and had to put up with his old man uh, and his neuroses while trying to put a, a musical together. <laughs> but uh, he loved it. And my young boy, Clay, he's uh, selling stickers after the show. And so he hangs out in the lobby selling stickers and loves to be a part of it. He thinks it's a blast. And he was there for all the, uh, all the rehearsals and it's a definitely a family affair. You got your oh, sons, yeah. you got your girlfriend, everyone's pitching in. But it, that's how independent projects are. Like you have yeah. to do a little bit of everything and everybody chips in. And I think that's what makes it more enjoyable than when you're doing something that you may have more of a budget for. Well, and, and yeah, I mean, and using your children for free labor is that always helps. a great thing. That's a good thing. I'm, Isn't that I'm why proponent. you have children? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> go get that. Put that away. Do this. Go get dad a beer. <laughs> now, um... Have you ever been to camp? Uh, yeah, I went to uh, <laughs> I went to a, a Christian camp. Uh, I did too. Once one year in in high school, uh, I went to a Young Life camp called Windy Gap in North Carolina. Hilarious. Yeah, yeah. We, speaking of North Carolina, we were talking about how we're both uh, we've both lived in the DMV area. I mm -hmm. lived in Richmond, Virginia. Woo woo. Yep. And um, do you feel like having come from the East Coast and, and from the DMV area to LA, do you think it gives you a different type of work ethic and appreciation for the business? Um, yeah and no. I mean, it, it never seemed to be possible to be part of it I when I was back there. I didn't think, I mean, I always sort of thought somehow I'd be some sort of actor or something, but, uh, but there wasn't a, a path to do it. There mm -hmm. wasn't an avenue to do it. I didn't know how to do it. That's why I like went and played on street corners. You know, yeah. I didn't know what else to do. And so I didn't know if there was a, a way in or, or any of that. And my kids growing up here in LA, they're afforded opportunities all the time. I mean, you, if you got a cute kid, you can't walk through a mall without some casting director going, do you want to be on a Disney show? You know, <laughs> uh, they're, they're in their face all the time. And, and my kids are now just say no wow. when people ask them to do stuff, which is hilarious because I would have begged, right? begged to do if, anything. If someone asked me to be on Kids Incorporated when I was a kid, I was, I would have been like, where do I sign up? Yep. Yep. Now, <laughs> right now I'm in. Goodness. That's so funny. So for those actors and aspiring musicians that kind of are, finding it difficult to, to stay focused and maybe a little bit discouraged, what would you say to them? Quit now. Get out. Uh, I don't need you muddying the waters. No, I'm kidding. Um, don't listen to anyone. You know what to do. Anyone who's creative knows the path they need to follow. Just be nice. Don't be a jerk to people. Don't, don't use your ego for anything other than a little tool maybe for promotion. Uh, it'll get stroked plenty if you create anything good. Um, and, you know, you're going to create bad stuff. You know, failing is most of creating. Mm. Uh, most of what you do is failing. And so you have to get used to that concept that you're going to fail and you have to give yourself permission to fail. I've failed it so much so far. And every failure is... a, a supposedly going to be a lesson. And if you can learn from it, then you're going to keep growing. And that's what matters. I agree. Now, speaking of like 
your work, you keep, do you feel that keeping yourself around people that are also going to motivate you? Like you were saying, your girlfriend who also directed the film, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sorry, the musical, like, is it important your circle to, oh. to who motivates you as, as if you are in those moments where you're a little bit discouraged? Essential. It's essential. I mean, uh, you have to find like-minded people. Uh, I'm really, really lucky that as a horror writer and a horror creator, the L.A. horror community is amazing. They are the nicest group of people in the world, and they're all super supportive. We don't necessarily all love each other's work, but we all love each other, and so we show up when anything's going on. Mm. And so it's it's wonderful to know that you're surrounded by creative people. Uh, you can have the the same conversation with everyone sort of about, like, I'm, I'm hitting this problem, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm up against this wall, what do I need to do? And, and even if you know the answer yourself, you kind of sometimes need someone else to... Right. Validate it and say it again to you and go. Listen, you know, just believe in what you're doing. You know, don't let the don't let the bastards get you down. Right. I wanted to um just shout out the cast. Yes, please. They're please. so good. The cast and crew. So we have. If you want to, so I don't mispronounce anyone's oh, yeah, name. Oh yeah, yeah. Because they were so great and they weren't able to be here. But let's. let's uh, give them- Kurt Bonham plays Blaine. Uh, he was my first uh, first friend I met in L.A. Oh, uh, I met that. him on my first ever commercial audition. He and I. Both uh, went in for a, a silly uh, back in the days of calling cards and calling numbers ten ten three two one, and we both booked it, wow. which was great. And so we became buddies right away. And this is we worked a couple times uh, a long time ago, and we haven't worked since. And so it's awesome. He's fantastic. Uh, Kristen Chalker, Kristen Evelyn uh, is our page. Uh, she is a badass. Um, yes, she can really really sing she, she really uh, well she's a uh, beautiful she's, voice she's the one with the pipes in the show really um aqua aqua danso is our andy he's our male slut um and <laughs> i have such a, a crush on him he is so hot i mean i was when he came out i said oh hello yeah. i needed a fan he's very handsome i i remember early on in rehearsals uh talking with chelsea and going can we get him to take his shirt off I, during the show and, and he was like yeah let's go and you know, like yes this as, is so good as soon as he did i was like this show is amazing um timothy copas is our todd he is also freakishly ripped and gorgeous <laughs> and funny and has like every acting tool in the toolbox and is amazing and and can sing and uh we have uh, Mary is our Shelly. Oh, my God. She's hilarious. She's the one who every single night cracks me up with, they were murdered. And I just <laughs> die. I'm backstage trying really hard not to, like, guffaw with my big dumb laugh. Right. Uh, Fina Sanchez is our Looney Lucy who steals the show completely. Uh, she plays the, the, the lunatic who warns all the campers that uh, that there's a murderer on the loose and they're she all going to die. so good. She, like, she was supposed to be dirty and like a, looking like a homeless person, but I was like, she's really pretty for a homeless person. She is stunning. Those <laughs> eyes are money makers. I oh, know. my God. And she was in a show, another friend's show, called Motherfucker with the Hat, and it was brilliant. And she played, and it's just a gritty New York, like, yeah, drama, I've drama. And she's amazing in that, and so that she can go. And she was in the same night playing that show, and then doing our show. Wow. And so, my head is off to her. Amazing skills. Um, Alyssa Wagner was our Joyce, and that was you know the one you said our jock that you loved. I she's, love her. She's one of the few that I wrote roles for. I wrote that role for her. I wrote uh, the Looney Lucy role for Fina, and I wrote my role for me. Uh, and then routing it all out, we've got uh, uh, who else is on here? Of course, our amazing director. Chelsea Stardust. That's... Yeah. 
Awesome Thank job. You, Great uh, job. Our production designer, Danny Manning, who uh, made the mask that I wear Which and was the cool. tents and what everything else. What is the mask made out of? Is it like little twigs? It's little twigs. It's, uh, we wanted it to be uh, something that a kid would make that looks kind of arts and crafty. Um, and we had a couple different horror re- references. There's a movie called Boy and a movie called Cub that both had, you know, masks that were similar to that. And a, a friend of mine, an illustrator, Sam Randazzo, made. Uh, an illustration of that and that we used for our logo and I handed that off to Danny and she just made the mask made a physical version of it that's really just cool. great uh, Heather Karasek was our costume designer great and job. we dug up some really fantastic vintage clothes like those leg warmers the leg warmers very key I mean I haven't seen leg warmers since I had a pair of strawberry shortcake leg warmers <laughs> right on I, I, I want to see a photo of those um, we uh, I wrote this with a bunch of silly ideas in my head. And yeah. most of them that I wrote in in the costuming are on the stage. Nice. Like, I said that Shelly had, had to be wearing an I Shot JR t-shirt, even though people don't know who JR was. I was, do. There you go, from, from <laughs> Dallas, you know, JR yes. Ewing. Um, and, and, and Paige is our badass, and I wanted her to wear a Commander Salamander t-shirt because that was the store in Georgetown that was the punk rock store where I'd go get my Manic Panic, and it was the place nice. where, like, it, it was the only cool punk store in D.C., and it's been closed for a long time. And so Chelsea and Heather managed to scare up an old... Commander Salamander T-shirt wow. to make me happy. Uh, and when we were vintage shopping one day, we found that that one that uh, that our Todd character wears the the '84 Olympics thing that says the Russians can play with themselves. And one of the rings is down. <laughs> that was the most expensive piece of wardrobe in the show because I was like, we you. have to have that because it was an authentic, you know, from the summer of '83. Yeah. Um, the real deal, and that that cost us a penny, but it was so great. I, I was like, please, please, can we have this? And they 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 said okay um did i leave anybody off here well we talked about rudy who's amazing and and clark wolf does not get enough credit uh she not only plays Teresa, uh one of the married couple part of the married couple that uh, fixes up the camp uh she sings like an angel and Mm -hmm. she produced the shit out of this um she did a fantastic job putting this show together and she was sort of the driving force at the beginning when i said yeah i've got this idea to do something and about two weeks later, she came to Chelsea going, I really want to produce a show for Fringe this year. And Chelsea's like, I got the show. Sean, you write this and we're going to do it. And they both wow. said, all right, let's go. And so they, the two of them together had, were, you know, constant support for me and really, really helped uh, this show become real. Yeah. And so they're, they're, they're amazing. And that's why I feel like it's always important to talk about the cast and the crew because, yeah. like, everybody working so hard, long days, long nights to put something together and to see it come out in such a great way. I, I just always like to acknowledge everyone oh, that played a role. One more guy, uh, Nick Ferran. Uh, he is our, technically, our stage manager. He uh, helped design the lighting and works the sound for us. He has been awesome. Uh, a just relentlessly good-natured guy who has put up with all of our idiocy because we are virgins at this. We'd never put on a show. Right. And I've been in shows, but I never put on a show. Right. And he showed us how to do it. He like said no, no, no. He you know went through all of our cues and taught us how to tech it and did everything that every night delivers and makes that show as cool as it is because he's working the light board and he's working the soundboard and that show would be nothing without it. So you're you've been behind the scenes, you've been in front of the camera mm-hmm. or the the audience. What is your preference? Um I like it all. You know, I don't want to choose. I don't feel any need to do one thing. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, doing one thing will make me mental. 
uh, I love being the little butterfly that flits about. And so as long as I can do something new and try something new as often as possible, uh, then the older stuff I do, the, the stuff I've been doing for a long time, it gets easier because I've tried something else. I think that nobody who's creative is ever creative in just one field. And so exploring as many of those options as you can is what really helps develop your creativity and help you be vital. I like that it, it, because I think a lot of people struggle with that. They're like, okay, I either have to be a producer or a director. And I think times have changed and you can do a little bit of everything. We have so many people that do. I mean... Who comes to this town to be put in a box? Hey. No one. And we're, we're creative people need to stop putting limitations on their creativity. Right. It's self defeating. Yeah. And it's really important to make sure that every time that you're trying to do something, you try to do something that's new, that you're trying to do something that, that pushes your limitations because you never know what you can do until you push past what you think you can do. You've left us with so many gems. What do you want the audience to leave? with when they leave slashed uh i want them to leave singing our songs tapping their feet having had a good time i mean the world is lunatic right now everyone seems to be angry all the time and i just want to give people you know a good half hour 45 minutes of fun where they can forget about everything and have a blast and and I put a little message in there as well, because slashers in general are puritanical. Mm. They have this, you know, you sin, you die, right. which I cannot abide by. <laughs> um, so I made certain to uh, push in a little bit of a Nietzsche in there, um, because I'm just a philosophy nerd. <laughs> um, there's, 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 there's even a, a song lyric that's directly lifted from, uh, from Nietzsche's Beyond Good and Evil. But um, I wanted to make it uh, all about life live for today. That was the one thing that I took out of being in rent was no day but today. Mm. Um, and that whole idea of you're going to die. Yeah. Every fucking person is going to die. Everyone that you know, everyone you've ever met is going to die. And if you don't do something with your life, then you wasted it. So have fun. And live and explore all your options. Yeah. Now what's next for Slash the Musical? Because you have on Friday your last sold out show here last in LA. Last sold out show. Um, we will be back. Okay. There's, we are entertaining offers to do it in various capacities. Um, things haven't been announced quite yet, but uh, look for us in October, you know, around Halloween. Okay. We'll be back. I'm, I'm uh, one of the constant critiques of the show is that it's it's too short. I wish it was longer. And so I'm, I'm working on a couple new songs to maybe flesh it out just a touch more. Um, nice. I have to. I have to get my son on board with recording some more. But um, <laughs> Bribery, I hear that works. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm trying to just, you know, use pure slave labor okay. of my child. But uh, I think he's going to demand something at some point. Yeah. So uh, where can people keep in touch with the show and follow and, you know, find out what's going on? Uh, you can follow us on at Slash Musical on Twitter. We have a Facebook page for Slash the Musical. Um, if you follow me or follow Chelsea Stardust on social media or Clark Wolf, we are uh, relentless in our... Uh, shilling for this show and so <laughs> you will absolutely see and hear right then when we are doing the show next um, I, I love doing it it's a super blast uh, I kind of am looking forward to taking a break for, for a while I'm getting back to some screenwriting but um, it's so fun well, you've done a great job, and thank you so much for being here with us tonight. And for anyone that wants to listen to the soundtrack, you can find that on Bandcamp. On Bandcamp. Just search slash the musical, and you got it. it'll pop up, and you'll get, what, seven amazing 
Seven life-changing songs. That's right. That's right. <laughs> that will keep you moving and keep you inspired. Um, thank you again for being our guest. My name is Sahai Wilson, and you can find me on social media at Say Hi Sahai. That's S-A-Y-H-I-T-S-A-H-A-I. And Sean, where can they find you? You can find me uh, on Twitter at underscore Sean Keller, underscore S-E-A-N-K-E-L-L-E-R. Thank you so much. And until the next time, this is BHL Conversations. From executives Kevin Undergaro, Dario Kristen, Tiana Hobson, and the entire BHL staff, we would like to thank you for supporting Black Hollywood Live, the first online broadcast network dedicated to African-American entertainment. For questions or comments, contact us, info at blackhollywoodlive.com. Like us on Facebook, tweet us, or Instagram us at BHL Online. And I am the official voice of Black Hollywood Live, Scipio, Instagramming, at KingXOBay. Thanks for tuning in. The views expressed here are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of BHL or its owners or principals.